Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I don't like to make a lot of excuses for interceptions. That one was entirely due to the double nut shot I took. (laughs) I stepped up in the pocket, I was going to throw across my body to Devontae, was going to shallow cross, and right before I'm throwing it, I took a left kind of clothesline, and somebody on the right, you know, with a right kind of cross, uh, double nut shot. You know, I guess I got to overcome that and throw a better ball. <laughs> that, was, that was a painful one. I, I do, uh, they got their money's worth on that one. I think it's entirely possible that the first nut was not bleeped and the second one was. Good morning. Good it's morning. It's Live. It's Hello. a Wednesday. Hello, London. <laughs> What's up, <laughs> Chris man? Sims, Mike Florio, two hours here with you. Sirius XM 205, Peacock, NBCSN, Rear. And hello, as always, to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland. I'm sorry I've neglected mentioning you. What a jerk. By name. Recently, we've been busy. It's an active time of the year. We're settling into our regular season routine, and I'm so glad the season started. I was telling somebody this yesterday. The anticipation of the start of the regular season is worse than actually being in the regular season because you know there's going to be a dramatic change to your day-in and day-out existence. Not that I'm complaining about it. I love it. But you know the change is coming. You just want it to arrive, and now we're in that Monday is a – certain vibe tuesday is a certain vibe here we are on wednesday as we pivot from the weekend that was and we began to focus a little bit more on the weekend to come starting on thursday night with washington and the giants so uh it the train is rolling We're and rolling. it's gonna be man it's week two man it's week five man yep. it's week 10 man it's week 17 man it's the playoffs but that's part of the fun of football season it takes you on a ride through some of the crappier months of the year definitely damn it's wednesday we're talking about double nut shots i mean it's it's fun it is you never know and it, you know it's one of those things too i'm gonna go back to that okay i know it's a little maybe inappropriate but either Lakers, way, it's part Lakers, of football Vince Wilfork, they, right? they listen 
How do they expect us to not eat the food if right. they put the plate in front of us? Exactly. Right. And, you know, I, again, I appreciate Aaron Rodgers for, you know, his ability to kind of speak the truth at times. I really do. And it is one of those things. Like, Mike, I think we've discussed this a little bit before because I, I, I still have – I go to my little boy's football practice and it'll come up with a parent or some of the coaches. and Hey, do you wear a cup? Did you wear a cup in the no. NFL? A cup? What? I, a cup? No, nobody in the NFL wears a cup. Nobody really in college wears a cup. There might be a few guys that are still holding on to like what their high school and peewee coach said, and they're still doing it. But then they realize, like, man, this is stupid. Man, this is causing chafage down there. Man, it makes it a little harder to move down there. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of issues that that brings, and it's it's all you know it is, Mike. I mean, it's all about feeling free, and I'm not trying to be too crazy here, free, fast, lighter, you know, let me find the tightest jersey so I can be as fast as I can. I want to wear tight pants that barely go down to my knees so I feel as fast as I can. I'm going to find a pair of cleats that are barely fit my feet so they're just a little lighter and I'm as fast as I can. So it's something that just gets eliminated, you know, through that process of I want to feel the best on the football field. I think that's the first thing why, you know, a lot of quarterbacks don't wear it. Now, chafage is not a word. Okay. It is on Urban Dictionary, okay. but it's not on any other dictionary. I've just checked. We right. wanted to get a quick ruling on whether or not it's a simsism <laughs> or an accidental scholar. Okay. Chafage, not a word. Right. And I'd always heard that the reason was because it is restricting. Yes. Because no it does doubt. keep you from running as fast as you'd like right. to run. Just right. like we see the guys who wear the knee pads that basically looks like they took a Pop-Tart and slid it up under their pants. Yeah, That's right. how small the knee pad is. Right. Anything that allows you to run and you're willing to assume the risk, you're assuming all sorts of risks. Double nut shot, just another risk that you assume. Now, now, all that said, do you wish that you had been wearing a cup when Vince Wilfork got you yeah. and turned it into, as you've said in the past, the L.A. Lakers down there because everything was purple and yellow. Right. You know, you know, and I don't know if it really would have helped. And, you know, now I'm watching that play. You do. You see the left hook to the uh, private area there. So, yeah, all right. And, yeah, now you see him grabbing there with the left hand. So I did not notice that when I was watching the game live or on film. But uh, I don't think it would have helped me in that instance with Vince Wolfork. You know, he kind of hit me above the area where it's like the pelvic bone is. And that's really what made it painful. It wasn't actually like the sweet spot. Uh, so I don't think it would have really helped. I, I, will, I will say this. Yeah, I, it is amazing that it doesn't happen more. I mean, it really is. You got 22 grown men flying around like crazy and... It's just amazing how the male instincts kick in when anyone's around that area. You can kind of just move just a little bit to avoid danger uh, when it comes to getting hit in that area. It, it is uh, it is pretty amazing that we don't see it more. And then you also have the subset of players who will attack deliberately that exposed area for strategic advantage. Years ago. I, I, and I still remember this to this day because it makes me cringe every time I think about it. A kid I know when he was playing basketball, when the guy he was guarding would go up for a shot, he would keep a hand down and he would hit him there when he went up the shot. Referee's not looking for that. I guess They're not. They're looking to see what you're doing with your other hand. With the other, with the other hand, he's popping him, he's popping him in the... Uh, in the uh, Family spot, jewels, as right. you said. <laughs> right. And, and uh, all of a sudden... 
the guy he's covering becomes far more hesitant when it's time to go up for a jump shot. I would say that. That is literally a Pretty low blow. So that's how you guys play <laughs> basketball in West Virginia, huh? That's how you guys do it. Okay. Not, no, no, that's I know. just one. Okay. That's, no, no, that's not, that's not how I play. I, I will, didn't have the coordination to do it or I would have. I will say this and we'll move on to real football. I, my, this is real football. It is real football. High school, college, my center, of course, they wore a cup then. I, you know, I, you know, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the amateurism of the sport where, yeah, they wore a cup because they knew they had some guy's hands sliding down there to take snaps. When I got to the NFL, that was a wake up moment. That really was because none of the centers were, wore cups. And that was a little bit like, getting used to like yeah damn i'm thinking of john gruden's offense but what what is what is he not wearing <laughs> anything down here what's going on here and uh so that led that that took a little getting used to and then then it was good after that <laughs> in paul zimmerman's book that peter king helped finish there's a story about a strike in the 70s and there was a quarterback i think for the chiefs who was a scab so when the strike ended the players in the union wanted to retaliate against him. And one of the ways they retaliated against him was when it was time for him to go take a snap, the center had actually cut a hole out of his pants in that area. And <laughs> That's great. That's that, great. Uh, <laughs> that prevented the quarterback from successfully completing the center quarterback exchange. I and bet. the quarterback ended up being shoot off the field uh, because he couldn't actually take the snap. Anyway, uh, on to football or a different kind of football. By the way, speaking of the topic we just discussed, I'm informed and I'm, I'm trying to confirm that this actually happened on Sky yesterday. A certain phrase you used yesterday involving a wall, whether it was on the wall or to the wall, it made it through. Yes. It made it through. Smoking crack isn't making it through. No. Other things, not making it through. That phrase made it through apparently i don't know I, I haven't done my research on the slang the full extent of the slang in the uk maybe they don't realize what that is <laughs> i think they would realize that that is that's a pretty universal one there in the english language isn't it i don't know why that slipped through it, it's very inconsistent there with their bleepage in sky sports so far it's like you know i don't know they, they must have different guys doing it one day the guy's cool and he's like ah who cares the next guy the guy's a big uptight nerd dork and he won't let anything slide through so maybe that's all it's coming down to <laughs> All right, uh, let's pivot back to something else that Aaron Rodgers told Pat McAfee yesterday as it relates to the lessons to be learned from the 38-3 shellacking that the Packers absorbed against the Saints at a neutral site in Jacksonville on Sunday. Here's Rodgers from Tuesday afternoon. It might be a freakout outside of the facility. Uh, I think it's just a, you know, it's a good learning lesson for us. You know, we can't. We can't play like that. We can't start a game like that. I feel like I said after the game, our energy level was a little bit low before the game. Um, you know, we got to do a better job responding to adversity. So, look, there's not much to say. We got our asses beat, you know, by 35 points. Uh, we're all frustrated about it, but just move on. We got 16 more to go. I have many very important things to say about the comment that Aaron Rodgers just made. But Control Room, can you please pull up a still image of Aaron Rodgers in that conversation with Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk? They're working on it. I will filibuster. Pat, uh, Chris, there's a very important reason for this. You have said time and again to me, can't hide money. Apparently you can hide money. 
Because I don't know what the hell's going on behind Aaron Rodgers. But that does not scream out, I make more than $30 million a year. No, it, it does not. You know, I, I don't see Rodgers as being like an extravagant, lavish type of quarterback guy anyways. Uh, I don't know where he is there. It looks like he's got real rock behind him, unlike you and your house at times, you know. <laughs> I had to go there. It was too perfect. But, yes, it's not like, oh, my gosh, man, his house must be something if that corner of the house looks like that. But I'm sure he's calculated enough, too, to to kind of know the part of his house that might not be too gaudy or, or pop out to, to viewers like us. So when he designed his mansion, he included an area that would be no. – <laughs> acceptably tame so in the event he's ever doing video from his home it wouldn't look like he's a guy who makes 30 million a year my whole point in that is you say time and again can't hide money in that shot i think he did yeah, hide he did hide plenty it. of money because right. it doesn't look all that different than any other shot that we would <laughs> see from most people's houses the important comment that he made and the one that really resonated for me and apparently he said it in the post-game press conference as well yeah the fact that they were low on energy their energy level was a little low i think is the exact quote chris you, you played in the nfl you know the feeling before week one I, I i get fired up before week one and i am not wearing a cup for entirely different reasons i you know i, I mean how could your energy level be low for the first game of the regular season yeah i that's that's a shocker to me it really is you're right i mean it's week one that's all you're you've been building up to that moment for the last seven weeks i mean that's all you're thinking about as a football player is, man let's get through training camp let's get through preseason so we can get to the regular season here we go i mean the regular season is awesome for a lot of reasons one you know yes you know the games you play but two the schedule is a little less hectic because yeah it's not training camp and they're not beating you into the ground and you're not sleeping there and there you know 18 hours a day so you can't wait for that moment i i mean hey there's two things that jump out to me mike First one, I think they fell in the trap a little bit. Like, oh, no Drew Brees and the Saints, and we're not playing at the Superdome. It's you know we're playing in Jacksonville, and we're we're a Super Bowl contender, and we should beat them. I, I do think there's something there, and I think Sean Payton on the on the other end of that is like the exact opposite. Like everybody's counting us out. We know how edgy and what a great motivator he is. We've heard a lot of stories from a lot of different people about Sean Payton, uh, Sean Payton's ability to motivate that way. So I'm sure he was kind of putting the needle and, you know, prodding guys all leading up to that game. Like, oh, you don't have a chance. That's the kind of coach he is. And then the other thing, Mike, and I think I, we talked about this maybe off air a little bit. One thing that always jumps out to me about the Packers, as compared to the other top teams in football, they have less emotional psychos on their team. And I, and I don't say that in a positive way because football is about being emotional and having the guys that – can get the team to a certain level on any given day. You know, and I look, you, you can look at top teams. Let's look at just the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? The Baltimore Ravens. I know they lost. The San Francisco 49ers. The Kansas City Chiefs. They got a few personalities on both sides of the ball that, you know, are just ready. Any time of the week, whatever, it's practice. Let's go. Yeah, here we go. I mean, they're that type of guy. I don't know who that is. On, on the Green Bay Packers. I mean, at least that's what jumps out to me. They don't have that psycho on offense. On defense, I don't notice it either. They got a lot of good players, but not that Ray Lewis personality, Jamal Adams, whatever, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick type of guy that 
rallies the troop and goes, match my psychoness here. And yeah, it's not a real word, but it is go. for me. Nope. So uh, I, I, those are the two things that jump out to me. I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? Repeating it does not make it into a word. You understand that? Yeah, you would we're have going to get with it, a lot of other people. And that's <laughs> one of the things I don't like about the dictionary. If enough people just make up a word and use it, like irregardless, a word that isn't a word, once it becomes so widely used, it enters the lexicon because people refuse to acknowledge sure. it's not a word. So if we could really make psychoness catch on, along with chafage and whatever else you said that isn't a word today, maybe we can get the people at Webster's to change their ways. The, the, the concern that I have then for the point you made about the absence of guys who can elevate the psychoness. Right. Jalen Ramsey, right? Those kind of guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's take a step back. Yeah. And let's talk about roster construction. Because that's part of what you should be looking for when you build a team. You should want to draft a guy or two that you know is going to come in and light the fire under the offense, light the fire under the defense. We know Aaron Rodgers isn't that guy. Well, then you need an offensive lineman who can do it. You need a running back who can do it. You need a tight end like a George Kittle who can do it. And I think it's important to find personalities like that yeah. on your team because it's part of the broader mix of individuals who, right. when they are together in the locker room, on the bus, on the plane, wherever, on the field, getting the guys fired up. The the Drew Brees thing that – and Shereen Williams and I talked about this yesterday. I remember in 2009 he had that chant that he did before Yeah, game, right. That gets and nobody guys knew hyped. what he was saying. Right. Nobody knew what he was saying, but it got him fired up they before did. every game and they won the Super Bowl. A hundred percent. Right. You need that guy. I don't know who that is on the Green Bay Packers. You know, Rodgers is not going to be that guy. That's not who he is. Matt LaFleur's not that guy. It doesn't seem like it. And I, on the offense, I mean, hey, I got respect for a lot of those guys on that side of the ball, but Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones, they're not. Defensively, Jair Alexander's their best player. He seems like he's kind of a quiet personality. So, yeah, that's something that they, they probably should assess going forward. You know, I, heard, I used to hear the Patriots coaches talk about this a little bit because the Patriots are a team that might, you know, have, let's say in football terms, more squares than the others, right? But there was always an edgy, oh, oh, we got Randy Moss. Oh, there's, there's your guy. Oh, oh, we got to keep Tlaib. Oh, there's your guy. You know, uh, I'm, I'm missing somebody else. I mean, Gronk, Gronk fit that mold for the be that guy in the locker room. You got to have one or two that on those dull days of practice or even a day in a game when things aren't quite there that, man, this big dumb animal here is ready to play and damn, I need to match his energy right now. And that's what those type of guys do. And that's where I think you see a lot of the top football teams have that. At least it's at least it's something that jumps out to me and something to look at as we go go along here. And if all else fails, it's something the quarterback needs to bring. And we know that Aaron Rodgers doesn't bring it to the table. He's complained in the past, back when Mike McCarthy yeah, right. was the head coach. That was one of the comments that he made back when they were struggling in twenty sixteen. Yes, right. Contributed to the thing that he said about me at the locker which now means at some point between now, just like yesterday afternoon, and any time I happen to mention it, we'll see that quote from Aaron Rodgers. But it was lack of energy. It was lack of accountability. These are things that if it's not going to come from the coaching staff, it's got to come from the players. And of, of all players, if no one else is supplying it, that's where the quarterback needs to supply it. Now, Chris, look, we can also try to figure out what may be causing 
a lack of energy so early in the season. The obvious thing to consider is the, sure. the status of Aaron Rodgers. Right. The full distraction from January to July where he wasn't around at all. He didn't engage with the teammates at all, at least in a football setting. I'm guessing he kept in touch with guys, but no one knew what he was going to do. He didn't get his receivers together to prepare. He wasn't there for any of the offseason program, voluntary or mandatory. That's got to be an issue, getting everyone up to speed. And, you know, him talking so openly about his situation and then on top of it the fact that it's all very tenuous and it feels like it's his last year he doesn't want a farewell tour well there's a lot of things I don't want that I get he's getting a farewell tour because everybody's assuming it's his last year you throw all those things together and that may be one of the reasons why going into the season the players are thinking this is just kind of a weird year it's a weird vibe it's just kind of weird and you you lose sight of the fact that you got to go out and play a football game. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I think there's a lot of merit to that. I mean, yeah, they were one of the hot-button topic all offseason. I mean, yes, it was dysfunctional. I mean, there's there's no other way to really, like, say that, you know? And, and yeah, the play wasn't good. I mean, they were asleep at the wheel. I will say this, Mike. I don't think it's on the quarterback to get the team up and ready. Quarterback's got too much stuff to do. Drew Brees, that was special of him. But you didn't see Peyton Manning or Joe Montana or John Tom Elway. Tom Brady does it. Tom Brady doesn't really. No. He goes and yells at the crowd when he comes out by himself. He doesn't. We, we were there in pregame. He doesn't like rally the troops and go, let's go. Now, he might mother locker, F. What about in the locker We don't know what he's doing in the locker room. Well, he might mother F some guys on the sideline. Side, right? We know it, on the sideline he'll do he'll it. He'll do it. He will. He will. And I will say, too, in New England, like they encourage it. That's what they wanted, too. But you're right. So those are rare guys. It's not always – the quarterback's got so much to think about. He can't always be that guy, too. But your point about, yeah, the situation surrounding him, you know, and it affecting the football team, listen, I do think there's something there. And then, hey, at, at, at the end of the day – you know, I know we talked about this game a little bit yesterday, and I watched this film pretty thoroughly. Like, hey, they got their butts whipped. There's no other way to say it. There was no chance for Rodgers to be really good or do anything. Go, anybody wants, go back, watch the film, watch the game, the game copy, whatever. His completions, people are covered. I mean, the the New Orleans Saints showed them no respect, Mike, for the most part. They played two deep safeties. Even when the Packers had two tight ends on the field, they said, ah, yeah, run it. Let's see you run it on our group. And they couldn't. They couldn't move them out of the way. And it was really the same thing on the other side of the ball as well. I mean, so, like, Rodgers certainly wasn't at his best. He didn't pull off any magic or make a play to kind of jumpstart the team like we usually see him do. And they are in a weird spot, it seems like, mentally. And then they ran into a buzzsaw of a team where – Hey, we know Sean Payton. He's the kind of guy that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you think we're not going to be good without Drew Brees? Oh, yeah, you think so? I mean, we know that. We, you, 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 you and I have watched him forever. We know people around him down there in New Orleans. That's the kind of motivator he is. And it was just a buzzsaw from that standpoint. So lackluster energy, uh, underwhelming game plan, and then just getting your butt whooped up front on both sides of the ball is going to lead to a 38-3 to loss. You know, you've said time and again that the Packers have been good for the past decade in large part because Aaron Rodgers is so damn effective. Right. And I, I, I'm i not suggesting he's doing it deliberately, but if he isn't fully engaged, if he's not all in, if he's distracted, I don't care about whether any 
one else is distracted, if he's still feeling salty about what went down, if he still feels like I'm upset because you told me you were going to trade me and then you didn't, and you and I have both heard that that's how it went down, yeah. that he was led to believe he right. was going to have a new team this year and he didn't, maybe he's not pulling on the rope as tight and maybe as hard not. as he has right. in the past. Right. Hey, you know, you got, hey, you know, just kind of like, I you just don't want here. me. Yeah. Okay. If, right. If you're, mm. if you're going to act like I just work here, then you know what? I just work here. Right. Um, and again, I'm not saying he's doing it deliberately, but at some point it's the natural That's byproduct exactly. of his mindset. Exactly. It is. You're right. I, I, I do think there's something to that too. Yeah. With those set of circumstances, I mean, oh wait, the company doesn't like me. Yeah. It's hard to invest in the company when they emotionally every day, when you go, wait, your company doesn't really like you. They're looking to replace you. I mean, yeah, I don't care where you are. You're at Goldman Sachs, you know, UBS, Payne, Weber, wherever the hell you are. The gas station, I don't care. I mean, if they don't want you, people go, man, it's not fun to go to work. And I'll say this too, added to like what you talked about. Yeah, this is a good team that we put in the great category because of the great quarterback. There are, for my money, they're an overrated team talent-wise across the board. You know, there's nobody in that front seven. There's good on the defensive side, but nobody in the front seven guys or teams are like, oh my gosh, we got to double this guy and we got to do this and have a game plan. No, they all get treated like normal pedestrians, all of them. Okay. Jair Alexander is the only blue chip player they got on that side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball, listen, I, I'm, you know me. I, I mean, I, Devontae Adams is not the best receiver in football, he's not the top two receiver, the top three. Top four, top five. Yes, for fantasy, he is. Great. That's not reality. Not, not on Sunday. Well, no. He, and nor, nor in the playoff game against the Rams, nor in the playoff game against the Bucks, nor in the playoff game the year before against the 49ers. Whenever a good defense comes to town and has a good corner, Devontae Adams, we don't see him. He's not in the same class as Tyree Kill, DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he's not. He's not in the same class. I'm sorry. He's system-reliant to a degree. He's a great route runner, but a lot of his big plays come off of, wait, Roger threw a laser slant. Roger's threw a laser slant. Roger's threw a laser slant. And then it's, oh, fake the laser slant, and the DB's so sick of getting beat by the laser slant, now they double-move him up the sideline. I mean, go through I mean, a lot of his highlights. That's what it is. A lot of his highlights, he's covered. It's just a perfect football. Aaron Jones, good running back. Physical defenses, can't break a tackle, can't move a pile at all. At all. That was one thing that jumped out at me about the game. Aaron Jones, if there's not a hole and he can't just run straight through it, it's not that effective. They went to court, they went to Dylan. Uh, wait, what the hell is his name? The Boston College running AJ back. AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon, yes. AJ I was Dillon. about to call him Corey Dillon. I was going to say Corey Dillon. Right. Yeah, they went to him because, yeah, there wasn't holes and they needed a guy who could go up there and be a sledgehammer. So I think it's an overrated talent let alone like we talked about all the other issues, and that leads to that. And I'm, I don't know. We're going to see where this year goes because, yeah, that did not look tip-top, and we'll see if they can rebound from that. One last factor that I don't understand how it affects the Packers or why it affects the Packers, but they definitely have a California and Florida thing. I went back right? and looked right. at the last two-plus seasons. Get this. Their record when they play in California or Florida – since Matt LaFleur became the coach, is one in five. One in five. It's crazy. Everywhere else, they're 27 and four. From one in five to 27 and four. 
when they pack it up and fly, and I don't know what the distance is as the crow flies, as the plane flies, it's about the same to go to Florida as it is to California from Wisconsin. I don't get it. I know. But that, what, you know, and this is the kind of thing where if you're in charge of a football team and you see that kind of a trend, you invest time, resources, effort to figure out what the hell is going on when we play in California or Florida. Because that's as glaring as it gets. Yeah. From 27 and 4 to 1 and 5. Yeah. And they just have this issue where they don't show up. They got beat 38 to 10 by the Bucks last year in Florida. 38 to 3 this year. They're 1 and 3 in California. Or, yeah, it's 1 and 3 in California under LaFleur. And, and we've heard these things about lack of energy, lack of preparations. Adarius Smith telling us at the Super Bowl. The team wasn't ready to play in the NFC Championship game, and I wasn't ready to play. How are you not ready to play in the NFC Championship? Yeah, I know. So that, that's there, there's concern there. Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, and and sometimes it is on the coach there to find the right formula for your football team. You know, for 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 whatever reason, how it you know what makes us better. What maybe I need to change this up during those weeks. I mean, I I can remember my early career with Tampa Bay and John Gruden. We had some struggles on the West Coast. And he was bothered by it. And, of course, I can remember, I don't know, year two or three when we were going to go out there in the West Coast finally after we'd had, like, you know, two years of kind of underwhelming play in some of those situations where he was, you know, man, the travel schedule. It was, what do I want to do about that? The practice schedule. Maybe do I need to change that? So, you know, it's maybe it's a little less, you know, hard or, or intense later in the week so we're fresher because it's a West Coast game and there's a time change and, and everything there. So, you know, yes, they're, they're, it's something I think that's probably on their radar, uh, at least now it is. But Better be. Yeah, fortunately for them, they're lucky, right? Well, they have to go to 40 San Francisco, uh, but that'll be the last time. They're lucky they got L.A. and Seattle uh, at home so they don't have to deal with any more West Coast trips after that. But we're going to have our eyes. Arizona that game. count. Arizona oh, counts. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. You're right there. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So let's. This is something to watch for, Mike. Definitely. Um, okay, we're going to do the panic o meter registered trademark next segment. For now, as we close the door on this Packers discussion, one to ten, how concerned are you about the Packers based on what we saw in Week One? Um, I'm going to put it at like. All right. Well, there's different levels. I'm going to put it at like. Uh, a six. Yes, one to ten. I know. Well, yes. I want to say ten. like ten levels. Super Bowl panic. Like if we're talking that, yeah, maybe I'm at a seven. I because yeah, I, I don't. I I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't. We'll, we'll see. The, the thing that saves them is the NFC North division, which I don't think right. any team is real good. So that's why they have a little bit of a, a leash here to go. Wait, we don't need to panic. We can get our feet underneath us and maybe get some momentum going. And I think ultimately that saves them to where, you know, they will find their footing and still be a good team in the NFC. But, I mean, I'll be shocked if the, the Packers go to the Super Bowl or even win the Super Bowl. I really would be. It's a different vibe with 17 games. We don't know what that first game means. And in the NFC North, it means nothing because everyone lost. So they've got 16 games left to try to rise up and win the division. I can't recall a Super Bowl champion that would have looked that bad week one on both sides of the ball. I remember the Giants' defense was abysmal 2007, right. the first two weeks of the season, right. and they ended up pulling it together and winning the Super Bowl. Yeah. But to be stomped on both sides of the ball yeah. that badly, I'd have right. to do a little research, go back and look at some of the scores, but to lay an egg like that right out of the gates... 
Pete makes a good point. The Laura Malloy game, 31 nothing. Good one, the Bills Pete. beat the Patriots, start the 2003 season. And Tom Jackson said on ESPN, the Patriots hate their coach. And, of course, after they won the Super Bowl that season, Bill Belichick got up on the ESPN set and had a two-word greeting for Tom Jackson that was not thank you or there was a you in there let me know when you want there. me to translate for everybody and i'll, pl- I'll but there was not a it. thank it was not <laughs> yeah. thank you i it bet was something else i bet you <laughs> um, and that's true that actually happened yeah actually happened yeah but uh anyway good good pull pete but it doesn't happen very often no that a team gets outclassed that badly both sides of the ball week one and pulls it together right and uh wins the super bowl all right the saints the team that won that game 38 to 3 they continue to deal with adversity they dealt with it very well. New crop of adversity. Eight positive COVID tests yesterday. For the vaccinated players and staff, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they're split up into three groups to be tested every week. Tuesday's test yielded eight positives. Six offensive coaches, one nutritionist, and one player who turned out to be Michael Thomas. The The staff and the uh Obviously, the staff's 100% vaccinated. You can't be around the players. There's just one or two Saints players who aren't vaccinated. They go into the enhanced protocols. They'll be tested every day, masks, social distancing, etc. But I'm going to be very concerned, and the Saints should be even more concerned, to see how today, tomorrow, the next day may go, because they may lose other players between now and Sunday when they play in Carolina, Chris. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it definitely concerning. I mean, yeah, you, you would, you, the coaches were in the locker room with these players. You know, I'm sure the nutritionist was in the locker room with these guys on Sunday. You know, it, it's, it's one of those. I think the first thing that I thought of is like, wait, but none of the players got it, or at least not yet. We're going to see. But it's like, did the coaches go somewhere, you know, together with the nutritionist the night before the game, two nights before the game, do something there. Michael Thomas, of course, is not playing. He's on IR right now, right? So, you know, was he a part of that group or was, you know, we don't know what he's doing in his free time. He's got a little more free time than the rest of the football team. Uh, but, yeah, definitely concerning. I mean, they got to have fingers crossed right now. I mean, because Carolina is not a pushover anymore. They're trying to make their statement here that, like, they're one of the, the, the teams to watch out for in the NFC. I'm sure they've marked this game on their calendar big time. And, yeah, they're going to want a piece of the Saints. And, yeah, the Saints look good, definitely. But, man, this is a a distraction and a curveball getting thrown at you. Another one off of the hurricane relocation. I mean, man, they are dealing with a lot of crap right now. Carolina, New Orleans, not long ago, was one of the great rivalries in the NFL. And maybe it could be on track to being that again. They've been in Texas and we all know that Texas is one of the perpetual COVID hotspots. I, I, I'd like to think that they've encouraged folks to not really move far beyond practice facility, hotel, et cetera, but they took the families to Texas as well, and you get some downtime. I don't know what you do. Yeah. You can't be cooped up in a hotel room, and I don't know how they're doing the thing with where the families are staying and where the players are staying, but the longer you're there, the greater the chance that somebody's going to get out and get it and bring it back, and when you're not wearing masks all the time because the protocols are looser for the vaccinated, this is something that can happen, and now we have to wait and see. Now, as it relates to Sunday's game, you know, the NFL is determined to play all these games, and th- it's a cynical view, but it's an obvious view. They want to make the money. They don't want to refund tickets. They don't want to refund networks. They want to play the games. 
And I don't know what the magic number is, Chris, and maybe we'll find out this year. There's 69 total players available at any given time. 16 on the practice squad, 53 on the roster. You can call up every guy on the practice squad up to 90 minutes before kickoff as a COVID replacement. So you've got maximum roster flexibility. Injured reserve, you can bring a guy back after three weeks. Maximum flexibility to have players available. I don't know what the magic number is between 11 and 40. Obviously, the absolute lowest you could have is 11. 40, I think, is a that that is a fair minimum number because it used to be there were only 40 guys on the team. But you know, if it if it dips below 40, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. At either. what point the league says you don't have enough healthy players, you don't have enough able players that we can expect you to go out and play 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, and special teams, right. punter, kicker, and all that stuff. You know, if it's one position group, the NFL's not going to care. We saw that last year with the Broncos and no quarterbacks. But if it spreads beyond that, I don't know. And and one thing that, that we learned last week, the LA Times had an article about all the secret plans the NFL had in place that they didn't tell the teams about. My guess is they've got some sort of secret plan in place for what they would do, what they would activate. If you get to a point where a team's got 35 players who aren't positive for COVID. I would think so. I mean, it seems like they're pretty well thought out. I mean, the NFL, I mean, you know, we can say what we want. Yeah, it hasn't been perfect, but they pretty much put the standard forth on how we could go forward and do business in our country with COVID. So they're obviously thinking about this for all the reasons you stated. But yeah, there's got to be a line of demarcation, right, for how many players you got left available. Because at some point, it becomes about the guys that are available's health. Not not because of COVID, but because what, well, you're going to have guys, what, play both ways? Play all these plays in a football game? Get a bunch of injuries? So now, oh, wait, COVID guys are back, but damn, we're missing another 10 guys because they got killed in the game the other day because they had to play too much? That, that to me, is where they would have to jump in, where you'd go, wait, I don't know if this is actually good for the players that are available to play. We might be really putting them in harm's way. And that's where they m- might need to step in and say, we got to go to, you know, abort mission and plan B. And I remember when we were trying to figure out how this was going to work last year. And there was a very real sense that, you know, maybe we'll have playoff berths determined by winning percentage because teams aren't going to get all 16 games. And there was a willingness early on to basically say, well, this team doesn't have enough healthy offensive linemen so we're not going to make them play because the quarterback could get killed if you don't have enough healthy offensive linemen. At some point, the NFL resolved all that by saying, you know what, hey, it's on you to build a team that's ready to go. It's on you to be ready to play. And and Coach Dungy has said he had teams that weren't able to dress 46 players because of injury. You have to have players ready to go, whether it's injury, whether it's COVID, whether it's the flu, whether it's whatever, you have to be ready to go. You have to be ready to pivot. That's part of what football is. So high, low, whatever the number, my guess is the NFL is going to be extremely reluctant to give anyone a pass. It's your problem if you can't put competent players on the field and you've had every opportunity to put together a team of flexible skilled players who can do various things and coach them up and do it and we're not going to we're not, we're not going to protect you from yourself if you made these mistakes at what point does it become irresponsible to have that attitude hopefully we won't find out hopefully they'll get this game yeah, and every game right. played 
in the first 18-week with 17-game season the NFL has ever had. Let's take a break. We mentioned the Packers and the extent to which maybe we should be panicked about them. We're going to look at other circumstances and assess how panicked we should or shouldn't be when PFT Live continues right after this. Not a lot of games this weekend between teams that are 0-1. Giants and Washington get it started Thursday night. They're both 0-1. It finishes Monday night with the 0-1 Lions at the 0-1 Packers. And then looky here, 0-1 Patriots. How often do we say that at the 0-1 Jets? We say that every year. So only three (laughs) games. Only three games with a pair of 0-1 teams. But plenty of 0-1 teams. Half the league is 0-1. And there's a chance that that, uh, there will be plenty of teams 0-2. I don't know what 0-2 is going to mean, though. We, we hear every year, different. and that's one of the right. – you check the box. Well, only X percentage of teams that start 0-2 make it to the playoffs. Well, yeah. when you got 17 games, yeah. it's going to be a different dynamic. It's it going to be one of the weird things Good to get point. used to. And there were 11 teams last year, according to Pete, that were 0-2 to start the season. None of them made it to the playoffs. Only the Dolphins, who started 0-2, finished with a winning record. But again, with 17 games – I have no idea what 0-2 is going to mean. I have no idea what 0-3 would potentially mean. Or what 2-0 and or 3-0 and means. you got a lot of football still to play. Yeah, it is. It's crazy to be like, oh, we're 0-2. Wait, we got 15 games left. I mean, there's certainly more op- opportunities to right the ship. Yeah, I think that that uh, we're definitely going to see the numbers jump up in that area. I would be shocked over the last next few years. And, I mean, again, it seems like we're going to 18 games uh probably in the next five years at some point i think you and i both think and kind of hear things that that's where over under seven over under seven over under seven years you think so yeah some of those need new cba to get to 18 okay i don't know when they'll do the next cba okay yeah but some of those narratives of oh and two and yeah that that, they're gonna get squashed for sure yeah all right so let's do this panic o meter uh, trademark uh, pending on a scale of one to ten how much should we be panicked about various topics let's begin just generally with the tennessee titans 38 to 13 losers at home to the arizona cardinals outclassed on both sides of the ball how panicked should we be about them uh i, I think that was one of the you know poorer performances we saw in football for sure i, I mean the way it looked, yeah, I'm going to go seven here. I am. I mean, that, that one was a little more troubling to me than the others, uh, just because of the way their offensive line, which has kind of been their bread and butter, just absolutely got dominated. Uh, they couldn't get Derrick Henry doing anything. And then even defensively, you know, there was nothing up front to look at to go, wow. There was no play, plays in the – there was busted coverages, missed tackles. And, uh, yeah, it just did not have a good look. It wasn't one of those where you went, yeah, they lost, but, man, they the score's misleading, and they did some good things, but they got a bad break here, and this happened. It was, no, just a pretty much straight-up butt-whooping in all areas. You know, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I watched that game yesterday, and, and nothing positive stood out. Right, right. The Tennessee Titans. They yeah. could never get in a groove. And I texted you that first sack Chandler Jones, yeah. from Chandler Jones right. that set up uh, the touchdown. Yeah. They, you know, this was a standard Titans play. You got the entire offensive line that fires left. They fake the handoff to the left, and Ryan Tannehill rolls to the right. 
Chandler Jones is in a two-point stance, wide of the tackle. It's obvious before the snap, he's not going to crash to the other side to try to tackle the running back. He's coming. Right. You can see he's coming. Right. Somebody's got to abort mission on that play because Tannehill ran right into it. Was, he, he faked the handoff, he turned, and... Chandler Jones blew him up. Is that something that Tannehill should have seen and changed the play? Well, it, it, I mean, it, certainly. Like, I would even go into the week leading up to that. Like, I would go, wait, first off, yes, they, they play some three, four looks where there's like an outside linebacker outside of, yes, the tackle box to where he is standing there. Now, they're doing that, and this isn't that uncommon to think like, wait, when we, we run the ball a lot, right? So when we run, that backside guy's going to pursue and go down the line and be more worried about Derrick Henry than Ryan Tannehill. But they had a plan for the backside cutback in case Derrick Henry did do that, and that allowed him to be free. And where I would just say you got to be careful in that is not necessarily the play itself, but with guys like Chandler Jones who are really smart football players and have been, and been playing for a lot of years. That there's not the type of guy you want to run that bootleg, naked bootleg, you would call that. That's a, that's a true naked. Like we're coming out and that, that's what they call it. I'm not even trying to be funny where, yeah, we're not no, blocking <laughs> the guy. Right. I'm just explaining that. I know you know. And yeah. th that's not, you want to, more times than not, you want to go after the inexperienced guy, you know, in that situation. The guy who's young and like he'll take the cheese or, you do the naked bootleg in that situation. Once you've gashed them with the run a few times, and now Chandler Jones has seen it, and he's seen Derrick Henry cut back, and now he's like, damn, i got to get over there to help the run defense out. This was like to start the game, and Chandler Jones probably was already in this checklist of, wait, all week we worried about play action and bootlegs with Ryan Tannehill, uh, and we have a plan for the cutback. I don't need to do it. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, uh, they need to reassess that for sure. And for all we know, without studying the film as carefully as the NFL players do, maybe there was something he saw. As yeah, they maybe. Came to the line. You're right. You maybe there was know. something he saw right. in Tannehill sure. that he's seen in the past when he doesn't hand the ball off sure. and he knows he's going to roll out and try yeah. to throw a pass. No doubt. All right, I'm with you. Seven sounds good for the Titans. The Buffalo offense, mm. which was stymied by a, a very good pittsburgh defense on sunday yeah i'm not gonna go totally crazy here it's a very good defense you said there's a lot of jimmies and joes out there that are studs and then they got the x's and o's to go along with it you know it was a good game plan and you know i know we're going to talk about this game a little later so i'm only going to go like i'm only going to go like four here i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it low you know all, within that you know the bills did control the game Allen did miss a few throws I know we talked about they dropped a few passes too to where they could have controlled that game even to a greater capacity than 10-6 late in the third quarter like they were up. Uh, but I'm not panicked yet. I'm not. Yeah, you know what? I'll agree with you. I'll go five, though, just because the expectations for the Bills are yeah, so sure, high. You, sure. still, you still assume they were going to show up in that environment with that excitement, with the fans back, everything about that day and find their groove the way that we saw Josh Allen play in the preseason. The Baltimore defense, you had some things to say about them yesterday based upon their loss to the Raiders. What's the number at, 1-10 to 10 on the panicometer? Well, I, I'm going to go high here. I'm going to go 8. I am. I mean, because it, not necessarily like I think they're just going to fall apart here. I know they're still going to be a solid defense, but, man, just the injuries, the look of the front seven, 
they're not going to be the dominant Baltimore defense we've seen the last few years. I would be shocked if that happens. And if they, you know, I, like I said a little yesterday, I think Wink Martindale is going to have to kind of reinvent the way they play defense. If they think they're going to blitz and play man-to-man against Kansas City on Sunday night football, man, you can turn off the TV at halftime because if they do that, they're going to get drilled. Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and company are going to be going bombs away everywhere. So they're going to have to reassess to a degree. I got to see it first to what they're going to do. I am a little panicked about it. I mean, I am. So I'm going eight there. Yeah, I won't go quite as high as eight because I feel like Wink Martindale working with John Harbaugh will come up with a way to Probably. get this thing under control. They're still a hard-hitting yeah. group. They'll overcome the injury issues and they'll 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 figure out a way. They always seem to figure they out do. a way. They do. I know. Although, I probably went a little hard there. Yeah. Although although they always seem to figure out a way to win week 1 also. But that's a tough that was a tough draw. We just assume Ravens are better than the Raiders. They'll go out there and win. First game ever in that stadium with yeah. fans. That adds an element that I wish in hindsight I w- I had taken more seriously. Agreed. All right, the Vikings and this is my high-end <laughs> analytics offering. I love Odd it. number years playoffs, even number years no playoffs. This year it's supposed to be playoffs. They went to Cincinnati. They lost in overtime 27-24. At one point they were down by 14 points. They tied it up. They forced overtime. They had chances. There was a questionable call on a fumble in overtime, but there wasn't a clear angle to overturn the ruling on the field. But, hey, stuff happens. What I, I said all week, if the Vikings are going to be a legitimate contender this year, they go to Cincinnati and they make quick work of the Bengals. They didn't. So the Vikings playoffs this year, that presumption based upon their every other year tendency, panicometer, one to ten of it not happening. Where are you? Well, you you lead this off. I mean, we have purple backgrounds here because you're a Vikings fan. So you go 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 ahead. You Shut I want to. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you won't do the yeah. show unless the background's purple or you're that diehard. So go or ahead. I want to hear violent. your panic first. <laughs> the, the purpose of the lighting is to make the fake brick look less <laughs> fake. <laughs> I don't know. Mine's because real back here. This is real brick, okay? I mean, they gave I've me the real stuff. I've been in that studio. <laughs> I've been in that studio. You don't see my stairway up to my secret room up there? Come on. Now, I, I know the stairway is real, but I know it leads nowhere. But it is a real stairway. <laughs> you is. can go up it, but you, after about four steps, would whack your head on the pipes in the ceiling. For me, it'd take about seven steps, but for you, it'd take about four <laughs> steps, maybe three. I'll go eight with the Vikings. And they've got the Cardinals in Arizona this week. They better get their act or something else that ends with T together quickly. Yeah. Then they got Seattle for the home opener. This is a hole that could go just as deep as it did last year. And I was concerned when I saw on Sunday in the Minneapolis Star Tribune an article with some quotes from Mike Zimmer where he was kind of strident. You know, I, I'm still a pretty damn good coach. I'm paraphrasing, but ask offensive players, offensive coaches. I, I'm ahead of the curve, and, and uh, you know, if, if, if they don't want me, someone else will. And I don't know about that. If, if, you, if you keep doing some of the things that you did on Sunday throughout the season, I still go back to that, that play in overtime. Fourth and short. What are you doing acting like you're defending the goal line? You got 50 yards behind you. And they forgot about that, and they 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 got burned. It, it just seemed like a rookie coach mistake, not a guy who's been coordinating and running great defenses for years. So I, I would I would say eight as it relates to the Vikings not getting back to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I think I'd, I'd probably go seven. I'm going to go seven just because of the weak division, and maybe they squeak it out. But yeah, there's some concerning things. Excuse me, 
as you look at their football team. I mean, you know, yeah, we expected the defense to be better, and they got gashed pretty good the other day by the Bengals and a quarterback that's less than 100% and a wide receiver that was still trying to find his, you know, footing in the NFL. Joe Mixon looked like a, a superstar. So, yeah, they're, they're, and they couldn't run the ball quite effectively. So, I, as far as the odd year playoff thing, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to go seven there. Jamar Chase definitely found his footing and his hands. And as to his footing, there's a video flying around of him turning Patrick Peterson around and inside out. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing to see what he did. They didn't throw it to him on that play. Yeah. But it's amazing to see how Jamar Chase got Patrick Peterson all twisted up. On that, route. I would think he's uh, going to start to jump on the scene like that. That type of performance, right, Mike? That for that kind of guy, I think it's like he's going to he'll be loose this week, and I think you're going to start to see the real Jamar Chase start to bubble to the top here, where we're going to go, whoa! That's why they picked him over Penny Sewell, you know, and went with him at number five. And again, the only reason it was a narrative is because he was dropping everything that That's was thrown right. his way in the preseason. Right. It's good that he overcame it. He's fulfilling his potential. That's good news for the Bengals. But you had to have been concerned going into the season sure. that there was an issue there. And again, the Bengals fans get salty because we say out loud the things that they're privately fretting about. You had to be privately fretting about Jamar Chase. And it's good that it worked out for him. So, uh, you yeah, know, awesome. I, I think it could be very special, especially since Joe Burrow is healthy and he was able to play at the same high level we got used to last year. All right, let's get through these last couple quickly. Bears quarterback situation, one to ten, panico meter. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm it's it's I'm gonna go eight. I mean, again, you know what I think? It's Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback. Period. But you know, I mean, what about that game plan? Could Justin Fields not have executed? I'll go back to that. I mean, oh man, he can't throw the five yard hitch route. Oh, he can't throw the four yard slant route over the middle. I mean, what? I don't, I don't, you know, I know Andy Dalton probably got them out of some plays and did things there, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high on the panicometer. I, I really am. I think there's going to be like a brave heart anarchy if they're down early in this game to the Bengals. Those fans are going to be ready to storm the field and be like, you know, we're coming after you. Like, I mean, they are, they're going to go crazy and it's going to be a lot of pressure if things don't start off well for that courage. offense in Chicago. Right. Let's not let's not encourage, uh, you know, antisocial behavior. They will not just, take just our freedom. Just booing. <laughs> let's just stick with booing. Okay. There will be some loud booing and and other sounds that connote disapproval. I'll agree with you though. Uh, but but still, I know what the plan is. Yeah, I know. I they know. want to protect and develop Justin Fields so he'll be better next year. I get the it. The problem is, the, the Bears fans don't care about next year. Yeah. And, and 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 see that's that's where you have to kind of protect fans from themselves. You have to be willing to take a short term hit in the name of a long term gain. And in hindsight, Chiefs fans very happy Patrick Mahomes didn't play in 2017 if that contributed in any way to who he became after that. And I do believe I do believe that Matt Nagy is convinced that holding Justin Fields back will make him better in the future and specifically next year and if it's, but you got to we'll, we'll yeah, we'll get to next year yeah you got to get to next year you got to get through this year in right. one piece uh and uh and without having your eardrums ruptured by all of the booing that you're hearing at your home games washington quarterback situation ryan fitzpatrick on injured reserve out six to eight weeks taylor heineke who plays with a reckless style colin allen uh, kyle allen behind him how panicked should washington fans be about the quarterback situation well, I, i'm gonna go up there with this one too seven i mean uh, you know again taylor heineke i know he had the playoff game last year 
But really, that's the only evidence I've ever seen to go, oh, wait, that guy can do some outside-the-box type plays there. It's the only time. It wasn't pretty the other day. They only put really one drive together the whole game when he was in there. So, yeah, I, I mean, they have weapons. And I don't know if Taylor Heineke can really take advantage of all that they have to present. So that that's where I, I got to see more before I buy into that. Um, yeah, I agree with you as well. And, you know, what a change one week makes for how we view yeah. the NFC East mm-hmm. because the Cowboys in a loss looked great. The Eagles looked pretty good against a team that wasn't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that, that Eagles win, I don't, I don't know how to put that in context. It's so much easier to put the Cowboys loss in context and say, sure, they're going to be pretty damn good. Right. And Washington without a starting quarterback, without their preferred starting quarterback may not be. I'm with you. I'm around a seven or an eight there as well. Last one. Urban Meyer's NFL debut season. Lost to the Texans, a loss that I never would have seen coming because the Texans were supposedly in disarray. I don't see a win on the calendar until Atlanta Week 12. This losing streak could make it all the way to 26, dating back to last year. Panic-o-meter, Urban Meyer's first NFL season. What number would you put on it? I, I mean, I'm not going to go high here. I'm not. I just because I didn't have much expectations to begin with. I'm still mad I picked them to win the game week one. And I showed our producer. I, I wrote 23-20 Texans. Hey. And we got in the podcast, and I chickened out. And I listened. I let you pick, and you kind of talked me into it. I went with it. I'm pissed at it. But I'm going five just Sucks because I you. didn't expect. It does suck for me. I'm, I'm going to go five because I wasn't expecting a lot. This is a regroup year for the Jaguars and Urban Meyer. Yeah, look, I I say uh, I say seven just because the vibe dramatically changed. Something happened, whether it was the Clay Helton firing at USC, how badly they looked in the loss to the Texans, how deep this hole can go. And, and already they have an NFL all-time record of 16 straight games allowing 24 or more points, and uh, that may continue this weekend against the Denver Broncos. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return... Our first airing of grievances for the 2021 season. Chris has one. I have one. We'll tell you what they are when PFT Live continues right after this. Okay, very disappointing today. Uh, Way too many penalties. Shot ourselves in the foot, especially in the uh, first half. Uh, way too many times. Got to give the Saints all the credit in the world. They came ready to play. Uh, absolutely embarrassed us today. And uh, you can't do that against a well-coached and quality football team. The screen, the timing's not good. We get blasted. You know, we lose yards. Now we're out of field goal range. You know, we make it a longer field goal. We kick, we miss. That's absolutely nothing that that we coach or teach. Um, you know, so that would fall into the category of doing dumb that hurts the team, uh, right there uh, in bold letters. Unhappy coaches after week one. None of them come close to Keyshawn Johnson basically pounding on the podium week one of 99 after they lost Vinny Testaverde to a torn Achilles, if you remember that one, Chris. I but do. still, when you lose a game, the emotions run high. Our emotions run high from time to time. It's airing of grievances time. We do it during football season, and it gets me all fired up about all sorts of things. First one for me, and I'm going to try to keep this one simple because I want to fit two of them in here today. The NFL has removed the mandatory requirement that coaches be available 
each week for a conference call with the reporters who cover the opposing team. Now, the reason it was given to me is that they weren't well attended. They had interns on the calls. Sometimes nobody even called in, yada, yada, yada. Hey, I know over the years, we have written plenty of interesting stories at PFT from the transcripts of those conversations because I know that the reporters who cover teams don't like it when I say this, but there is a certain etiquette you must adhere to when you cover a team. There are certain questions you aren't going to ask. There are certain things you're going to couch a certain way because you want to have access to that team. And if you piss everyone off, it's going to be a lot harder to do your job. If you're not covering that team and you get access to that coach, you can be a little freer. Yeah. You can be a little looser. Right. You can be a little more pointed with your questions. Now we don't have that. I, I mean, I, I don't. I find that really hard to believe. First off, that interns were on there. I don't know. I mean, I want to throw the challenge flag right yeah, there. Yeah, I don't believe it either. Yeah, I don't believe let's, it. Either. Let's bring in the you know three forty five park and let's challenge that because I, I don't believe it. Either. Oh yeah, like. What like the New York beat writers? You're gonna play the Washington team. They're not gonna like want to do an interview on Ron Rivera and hear what he says and write an article about it. Like uh, bullcrap, 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 bullcrap. So I I don't buy that either. I don't get that either. Like what? What's the reason? I just don't get the reasoning there. I mean that can't be the reason. There's got to be the coaches complain. Uh, there there's got to be something more to that that they're not telling us. Protecting the coaches from potentially pointed and I don't want to say hostile questions, but, for, but look, and, and it, it's as predictable that people would be restrained who cover the team. It's equally predictable that they get pissy when you point it out. And I saw a tweet last night from somebody on the Jaguars beat. I've, I've never worked with anyone who has been afraid to ask a question. Well, then you haven't worked with many people because at some point it happens. You get in that group dynamic where no one wants to be the first one to tiptoe down the hallway to confront the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. No one wants to do it. You don't want to be the one that gets shunned or ostracized. Hey, talk to Albert Breer about it. He got yanked off the Patriots beat by NFL Network because he's the one that had Bill Belichick saying on to Cincinnati after that 43-14 to loss to the Chiefs seven years ago when Breer was asking questions about whether or not Garoppolo was going to play instead of Brady. It pissed off Belichick, and even though Breer lived right down the street, from the facility he got yanked off the beat so it happens if you go too far and you're less likely to be restrained by those concerns if you don't cover that team on a regular basis anyway yeah no i I mean yes i I agree with everything you're saying there a hundred percent uh i don't know i don't get that one i don't like it and it seems like there's definitely definitely ulterior motives there what's your other one let me hear your other grievance well, I, I, I'm, we're going to do, you know, this is uh, equal time. Let's hear yours. Okay. Well, you want to hear know. my second one now? Or well, do you want to hear do Florio, yours? Florio, then Sim. So I just, so. Well, that's, okay, that's fine. Just, that's just because Pete's an idiot. Yeah, Pete is an idiot. I agree with you there. We don't, we don't. <laughs> panicometer, panicometer on Pete being an idiot is 10. It's 10, okay? But, yes. All right. So my grievance is, um, I, I, illegal hitting too hard. Illegal hitting too hard on the quarterback. I can't take that crap. I can't. All right. And it specifically goes back to the Saints Packers game with the roughing the passer call and a pretty big moment for the Packers football team on Zazaria Smith on Jameis Winston. Third and nine here. Textbook hit. Textbook. 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 What, what the hell is that? I mean, are we going to play football or are we going to play patty cakes out here? I know we want to protect the quarterback. 
I don't want to ever see this called again. I'm sick of all the rules protecting the quarterbacks. I really am. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, it's ridiculous. Well, 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 but, but this violated none of them. None of them. Absolutely none of them. You go through the checklist. Right. And Mike Pereira was on the broadcast with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. Yeah. It, it, he didn't have too many steps. He didn't hit him in the helmet. He didn't hit him in the neck. He didn't hit him with his helmet. He didn't scoop him and didn't drive him the into the ground weight. and put his body weight right. on him. Right. None of that. No. He just... He hit him so hard that we're not used to seeing guys get hit that hard anymore. And we just assume when they do, it must be a foul. No doubt. I think that's exactly what it is. You're spot on, especially at the quarterback position. And we've seen that a few times over the last few years where it's been like, what? That was as clean as it gets. That guy's 260 pounds and runs fast. And yes, it gets a little aggressive at times back there. You know, let's talk to the offensive lineman who's getting paid $10 million a year and tell him to block better. I mean, Jameis Winston was okay. I mean, that, that to me... Uh, just bothers me, and I, I don't like that aspect about the sport right now. There's a little bit too much of that. Illegal hitting too hard. How dare you in this game? And I, I don't like that, and they, they got to watch it, the NFL, when it comes to that. You're taking away the advantage of some teams that are built through defense and physicality when you're going to do that. I mean, damn, there's no point in drafting defensive ends and things then if you're going to have uh, the rules going to be that way. You know, crap, just play 11 corners out there then. I don't know. It just That really pisses me off. Hey, what did Tom Brady say not that long ago? It's on the quarterback to protect himself sure. and protect his teammates. Right. You get rid of the ball before you get hit by Zadarius yeah. Smith. You duck and cover. You get out of the way so you don't take that hit. Uh, yes. It's on the quarterback. That was a clean, legal hit. It was just a very jarring and old-school hit. Right. It, it falls under the line of, like, it, like the two. Like, I love that Brady said that last week of, like, you know, again, I saw a few plays this week, and quarterbacks made bad decisions. They throw the ball into four of a pile of defenders, pass interference on the defenders. No, they have a right to the football. It was a crap decision. Like, but you get rewarded for a bad play. Like, bad decision. Like, shouldn't have thrown it. Free 20 yards. Yeah, I mean, damn. That just, I mean, poor defensive players sometimes. I just want to go, what are they supposed to do anymore? Um, all right, your next one. Well, well and the point that, that you've made for years that Brady made throwing the hospital balls and yes. getting your receiver blown up all because you get 15 yards. Hey, all right, we got 15 yards. Oh, you wait, wait a minute. Yeah. We got our guy splattered with an illegal hit to get the 15 yards because yes. the quarterback threw the ball in a spot. He never should have thrown the it, ball. So a, that was Brady's yeah, point as it, well. The Brady's point was amazing. And I, Brady, for as long as he's played has thrown very few hospital balls, very few. Especially compared to, I can go back through some other great quarterbacks and go, oh, no. They had a lot of receivers with concussion issues all the time. Like, and there was just no care. So Brady does have a care for that and his players and knowing where to go with the ball, certainly. I mean, he's the best of all time. So, all right, let me hear your last grievance. All right, last grievance. And Matt Casey, who is not producing today but is watching, knows me very well because, and this is an important point, the NFL has a real problem in St. Louis. It has a major problem in St. Louis. I practiced law for 18 years. I know how the dynamics work. And I know when a company that has been sued has to begin puckering very, very aggressively. And the NFL has arrived at that point because unless they write a gigantic check to the entities in St. Louis who have sued them over the relocation of the Rams in 2016, they will stand trial. And that means the commissioner, Stan Kroenke, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, other owners, grilled in open court. 
And we know how the billionaires operate. They don't want to submit to anyone's authority other than their own, where they're going to have to submit to the authority of the judge, the jury, the lawyer. It's like Colonel Nathan Jessup in A Few Good Men. They don't want to have to be told what to say, what to do. Well, that's coming. Because yesterday, a judge in St. Louis denied an effort by the NFL to end the case short of a trial. And my grievance is this, Chris. None of the national media outlets are paying any attention to it. Well, ESPN, yeah. crickets, NFL Network. And look, people at NFL Network get mad at me all the time because I say, hey, you're beholden to the league. You're being paid by the league. Your paycheck is signed by the commissioner. There are bridges you will not cross. And they get mad about it. Well, you know what? You want to prove me wrong? Cross this bridge. Let's see the item at NFL.com. Top of the stack. NFL to face a jury trial over the relocation of the Rams with a billion dollars on the line in January. And the trial is going to be going on when the Super Bowl happens in L.A. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, this, Mike, it almost falls under your first grievance. It's the same type of dynamic, except it's on a national level. It's like the national beat writers at a... I, you know, I'm sure they don't want to piss the powers to be off in the NFL. So that, that's probably a little bit there. Like, like to back just, to your first uh, thing, there's, there's bought, some correlation there. I just bought there. myself a long day. I just bought myself a long oh, day. Oh, I, but that's I'm all sure right. Look, hey, I, it, it drives me crazy. And, and people say to me, well, you hate the NFL. I don't hate the NFL. I love the NFL. I love professional football, but I'm going to hold the stewards of the game accountable. And if there is a relocation of a team that, results in a potential legal jackpot for the league, the bad kind of jackpot. My dad always used jackpot like it, it's a bad thing. And I, that, that's an old school thing. Play the piano. Go ahead. But they are facing claims of fraud. I mean, Stan Kroenke, the commissioner and other owners have to provide their personal financial information because the threshold has been met for a finding that they engaged in fraud to the point where they have to pay punitive damages if there's a finding against the league. This is a serious issue, and the league has been taking L's week after week in this thing. Everything they try fails. That doesn't happen to the NFL in court. Right. And it's amazing to me that no one is paying attention to it. That's my grievance. Yeah, that's a good one, and uh, I'm, I'm with you there. You, you had two good ones today. I, I liked it. Good, good. I feel better. Right. I feel like we went through therapy. Well, you know, I... I, I uh, I can be proud of my final show. We'll be back <laughs> with your questions about uh, the week two power rankings when PFT Live with continues. With Chris right Sims and this. not Mike Flurry. <laughs> Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.